0: what's going on man welcome back to the basement i'm ron and we got an exciting video for today this is going to be the zero rb draft strategy zero running back rb zero whatever you want to call it and i just can't stand the clowning and the people making fun of zero rb and i I just see it on twitter i see it on people's comments i know the fantasy football counselors out there disparaging the zero rb's name in the dirt and i'll be honest i used to be a robust rb guy i might even flash on the screen i I did an article last year i talked about robust rb being the way to go in 2021 I've now cooled off on that and I want to share with you guys why I've had this change of heart. I want to break down what zero RB is, why it's a solid strategy and how to execute it. Let's not waste any time. Make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, let's go. Now I want to talk about with the zero RB draft strategy, Kind of the misconception. And I'll be honest, I was once a robust RB till I die kind of guy, and I thought zero RB was silly. But I think the reason that people hate the zero RB draft strategy is because one, it's not normal. And two, because they're getting their zero RB draft advice from bad sources. You know, I looked up zero RB on YouTube, I checked out a couple of these videos. And not a single one of them actually executed 0RB correctly. All of them got thousands of views. And this isn't to to diss these guys. I'm not going to drop any of their names. But I looked at their their screenshots of the roster. And none of them actually execute a true 0RB approach. 0RB is not three straight wide receivers and then hammer running backs from rounds four through six. It's actually the opposite. You you don't want to walk into those dead zone running backs. And we'll get into that in a second. But if we want to understand 0RB, we need to go to the source. You know, not just, this is kind of what I think 0RB is. So I'm going to do this. No, let's go to the source. Sean Siegel himself, a legend of Rotoviz, he made the Zero RB draft strategy in, all the way back in 2013, and the article still holds up today. So let's go get into that. Let's get into the philosophy of Zero RB. Now, I'm going to link this down below, and I strongly suggest reading his original article dating back to 2013, where he coined the strategy. It's called Zero RB Anti Fragility in the Myth of Value Based Drafting. And the core of the article is more theory and game theory based or philosophy based than it is you know, what kind of players should you take? And this is how many rounds you have to wait until you take your first running back. It's not about that. It's kind of the overall idea of zero RB. And the first thing that he says is that that value-based drafting is a myth. You know, I think that a lot of us, or at least me, when I was coming up in fantasy, I thought you should just be drafting the best player available, value-based drafting. Let's get tiers and, you know, whoever I think where the tier break is, get that, that last player. Now, here's the problem with that, is that the value you create in your head is purely a projection just because you see a tier break between player A at ADP of 12 and player B at ADP of 13 in the long run, that's not actually tangible. Like that's not an actual edge you're gaining there. It's just, it's just kind of more, it's kind of more emotional than it is having any sort of substance. Now, once we get that out of the way, Value-based drafting we're gonna go from a roster construction standpoint. We go zero RB versus robust RB So robust RB is where you take three straight running backs at the top of the draft And let's just say for simplicity's sake that zero RB is three straight wide receivers at the top of the draft And he talks about the difference between resiliency and anti fragility Resiliency is what robust RB is resilient is that it's the idea that not all of your predictions will come true and that some players will sustain Injury. you know, this gives you redundancy in the face of both injuries and bad predictions, but your team will not benefit from those injuries or bad predictions. So you're drafting three straight running backs as you know, okay, I want to lock in a workhorse running back. We know some of these guys get hurt. So if I get three, you're throwing darts at a moving target. And you hope that one or two of them hit. The problem is, is that everybody's playing that same game. And when those injuries hit, you're, you're losing value and you're just kind of sustaining, you know, you're being resilient. Now, here's the thing about zero RB it's anti-fragile. So it's not only resilient but it it, it improves as other teams take their hits. And it benefits of the randomness of the NFL season. So whenever a starting running back gets hurt, your lineup gets better in zero rb it gets better in relation to my opponents because th- now your opponents are losing their rb ones and then it gets better in the sense that now you're either owning their ba- backup you already have their handcuff on your bench or you're both running to the waiver wire to get that replacement now here's the thing if you have cam Akers and you're replacing cam Akers with darrell henderson that's a downgrade you're losing that you're losing that deal regardless So let's say it's like week three cam makers gets hurt you go to the waiver wire you get darrell henderson you're you're already taking a loss but if I'm a zero RB team I get to the waiver wire I grab Darrell Henderson I don't have Cam Akers I'm getting loads better from that and the thing about zero RB is that you can cover ground on running back as the season progresses you know you're already going to have a clear advantage across every position you want to have an elite tight end elite wide receivers nice flex get a nice elite quarterback and now you're you're covering ground on running back as the season goes on like we said with Cam Akers he goes down now Darrell Henderson is a fourth round running back and you have an RB2 for free off waivers but the same can't be said for wide receivers. Michael Thomas goes down. Traquan Smith is in a wide receiver too. Marquez Callaway is in a wide receiver too. That doesn't, there isn't that same exchange of value with wide receivers. People can't replace that production as easily. Sure, you can you can grab somebody off waivers and maybe hit a spike week, but timing one of those is so hard. Whereas with running backs, you know, okay, starter is down. Now I'm going to play this guy. Now let's let's take that philosophy and let's talk about you know, the actual roster construction, what we're doing here, how many running backs do we want? What does our roster construction look like in a zero RB build? And now the thing is with zero RB, we wanna make sure that the league settings are in line with zero RB. Now I'm gonna say that the requirement is that you need people to start at least four wide receivers. So it could be two wide receivers and two flex or three wide receivers and one flex. And then I also don't really agree with the idea that it has to be full PPR. I'll even do it in 0.5 PPR. As I covered in my do not draft like dead zone running backs video, even in 0.5 ppr through the first six rounds wide receivers are edging running backs at adp in terms of projected points so ideally in 0.5 ppr we want to dominate the flex regardless of strategy we want our flex to be all wide receivers so even if it's 0.5 ppr we still want to have the edge at wide receiver that's why i'm even comfortable going zero rb in a 0.5 PPR league. But even though we want wide receivers in our flex, no matter what in a 0.5 PPR league, but even more so with zero running back, cause you wanna dominate the flex. I'm talking having like a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two in flex, especially cause these wide receivers go late. You can get like the sixth wide receiver at the back end of the second round. You can go out there with your flex and have a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two in there. You want to have that dominance over everywhere else, but running back. You want to have a dominant quarterback, an elite tight end. Now, I also want to get out the way that zero running back isn't going to be something you do with the first few picks. If I have pick one, two, or three, I'm taking Kamara cook or Christian McCaffrey. But I think after those big three, I'm even willing to go as early as the one Oh four and grab uh, Devonte Adams. And the thing is, I think that ADP will say that Derrick Henry is there. And we can both agree. Derrick Henry is a floor play. You are grabbing him to have floor. He, he hit the nuts last year. He had 2,000 rushing yards. He still wasn't an RB1. You grabbed Derrick Henry to lock in an RB1 floor for your team. Here's the problem running backs there's no such thing as an RB1 floor Christian McCaffrey doesn't have an RB1 floor he got hurt last year we had Mixon go down we have Eckler go down Chubb go down these running backs get hurt at a high rate there is no such thing as floor at a running at a position as violent as a running back now Pat Corrine covered this in his legendary upside running back article but running backs are busting at almost double the rate of wide receivers in round one so if you want floor you go Devontae Adams Tyree killer Stephon Diggs not derrick henry and ezekiel elliott in my opinion so then you hammer wide receivers in the first three rounds you grab tyree kill you grab whoever you can maybe even mix in a kelsey waller kittle now here's the biggest misconception through three rounds you should have either three wide receivers or two wide receivers and one tight end you don't stop there if you stop there and you start pounding running backs you are walking straight into the dead zone that is literally the biggest thing that we are trying to avoid in this whole strategy we do not want to grab three wide receivers, a tight end, and then go grab Mike Davis in the fifth round. The whole idea of Zero RB and its principles and the whole strategy, is to avoid Mike Davis and grab Mike Davis off waivers. <laughs> you want to forego that fragility of the running backs and let your league mates walk on those landmines rounds four through six. Especially because those guys are RB2s, the most replaceable position in the NFL. And I say that because of the Henderson versus Traquan Smith thing. Again, it's just such a great example. Anytime a running back misses time, you will be able to match your opponent's RB2 production fresh off waiver wire. There were times last year where I started DJ Dallas, Jamichael Hasty, Jarek McKinnon was a startable guy off waivers. People forget it when it, it's so clear when to start these backup running backs is the guy in front of them gets hurt. Whereas with wide receivers, it's hard, man. You have to try and time those, beam week, those boom weeks. It's not clear when to start a Traquan Smith, when to start a Marquez Callaway. You're just kind of throwing darts. And you never really want to throw darts in your flex spot. You want to dominate the flex with a with a stud wide receiver. And there's also this huge misconception that late round running backs aren't viable. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I need to get my running back two locked in. I need to get my running back one locked in. The, the running backs fall off so hard. Here's the thing, man. If we look at the top 25 wide receivers and RBs in win rate, so that's just best ball win rates. And best ball win rates work because it's just, a, it's just a way of factoring in a bunch of redraft leagues at a high rate. It has like thousands of leagues that it takes into account. 64 percent of the top 25 wide receivers were drafted outside of the first six rounds 68 percent of the running backs that finished top 25 in win rate were taken outside of the first six rounds so the running backs actually edge out the wide receivers in this kind of category late in drafts and that's what best ball win rates actually hurting the running back side of the equation with these wide receivers if you can have the benefit of the doubt of a best ball and they can just give you random spike weeks without you having to time them you're actually at an, at an advantage and even then running backs are actually go toe-to-toe with wide receivers in the late rounds. The idea that RBs can't be had late is insane. Last year, we saw JD McKissick, we saw James Robinson, Naeem Hines, Ronald Jones, Jamal Williams. All of these guys were genuine league winners. Now, are they sexy names? No, but you put them in, they're borderline RB2s. James Robinson was even an RB1. And the the whole idea is that you're stacked everywhere else, stacked, stacked to the flex, quarterback, tight end, everything is stacked and you become this stacked, like this robust, it's almost a robust wide receiver. You don't just wanna stop at the flex with your wide receivers. Siegel actually dropped a really good article called, if zero RB isn't working for you, it's because you're not drafting enough wide receivers. Those zero RB videos that I saw on YouTube, they're taking three wide receivers and they're stopping. You do not go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and then you stop and then pound running backs and then take light flyers at wide receiver. That's not what zero RB is meant to be. it's a if it's a start for wide receiver league my personal rule of thumb is i'm taking six wide receivers in the first eight rounds we want two solid flex options off the bench because you want to have that stable of elite wide receivers you want to be able to brace against the variance you know some of those wide receivers could get hurt some of them could bust you want to have a setup so that at all times you have elite options in your flex spot that is the whole idea now like i said six out of eight of these rounds so if we want it we're going to take two detours at some point they should probably be for elite tight ends or or elite quarterbacks but you can also even go modified zero rb where you take a running back like i even like taking swift in the third round and then you get maybe one more like you could go like you could go like wall you could go Devontae adams waller swift and then hammer wide receivers through round eight that's viable as well and that is under the zero rb umbrella but remember if we're going to take these running backs in that range. If we're going to go with a zero RB approach, even if you want to take a running back in like round five, round six, round seven, that's a fine strategy too. You can take a detour for a running back, but it has to be an upside swing. It has to be a guy that can be an RB1 because it shouldn't be Mike Davis. If it's Mike Davis, you're doing it wrong because like we said, Mike Davis is an RB2 that's very replaceable. It needs to be an upside swing on a DeAndre Swift, a Travis Etienne, a Javante Williams, a guy that you can hope becomes an RB1 at some point in the season. That's when it becomes justifiable to take a running back in a zero RB build. With all that being said, let's look at a mock. Remember, we wanna get six wide receivers through eight picks. We take a couple detours. We want an elite quarterback or an elite tight end. Maybe we grab a running back. We wanna have that kind of feel and we wanna have six stud wide receivers. And I just randomized my spot, got the eight spot in a sleeper draft. And I just wanted to show you guys what a pure zero RB start actually looks like. In the eight spot is actually a perfect spot to do zero RB because the first seven picks are probably gonna be running backs everybody says they want to zig one other zag but everybody's too afraid to nobody actually wants to take a wide receiver in the eight spot how is your rb8 if you are if you are just taking off the board okay i'm gonna grab my rb how is your rb8 competing with McCaffrey, dalvin cook and kamara the 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 value the value in my opinion is deep in the second so whatever whatever you get at eight and you swing back around to the the what like the 206 or like the 205 your 205 is marginally less valuable than the the 103s second round pick there's they're such a big tier in that second round you're not gaining a value you're forgoing so much so much positional advantage by going with an rb8 to try and match up with mccaffrey and dalvin cook teams that you should just let that go grab Devonte adams get a get a surefire advantage at wide receiver so i go Devonte adams i wrap around go deandre hopkins now i don't think darren waller's going to get to you in the third round in a, in a normal league but he was there and you want to secure at least one elite tight end or elite quarterback in a true, like a true, true zero RB build. Then we go CD Lamb, and then in round five and six, I'm usually going for Lamar, Kyler, or Dak, but they were gone at that point in time. So I just hammered more wide receivers all the way through the seventh round. And again, we want that stable. I want six out of eight of those first picks to be wide receivers. Now, remember, if there's a if there's a screaming value falling down the board, you always want to be able to adjust. But when we're doing a true zero RB build, that's the kind of, kind of depth I want at wide receiver remember, we're, we're anti-fragile. We want to store the wide receivers, brace for impact of the variance that happens in the NFL season, and then we're going to be grinding out waivers to fill our RB spots. We want to dominate the flex. We want to dominate every, little, every position besides running back so we can dominate the teams ravaged by RB injuries. Because at a certain point, there's going to be teams out there that are flocking to the waiver wires to grab running backs, and you're going to be there grabbing them as well. These guys are going to be ravaged by injuries. They're going to have, they're going to have, depth issues because they, they put all this capital into running backs, two out of the first three of the running backs that they take, probably gonna bust. Now they're looking thin at flex. You're gonna be able to dominate them so crazy during bye weeks and injuries when you have six solid wide receivers that you can start in those four wide receiver spots. Or I mean, two of them would be flex, but I see flex spots as just another wide receiver spot. Now, once I get to round eight, We have our six wide receivers. We took a detour for tight end. Now it's time to fill out running back and quarterback. I took Michael Carter, who I think is a perfect RB1 for a true zero RB build. I also like Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, all in that round seven or eight range. And then we just grab running backs with different archetypes. You want to have those different types of running backs. You know, you want to have your ambiguous backs, your upside swings, PPR machines, guys who can just give you RB2 weeks. And that's, that's how you kind of You know, you you just want to even out those types of archetypes. So, you know, we got Michael Carter, who's like in an ambiguous backfield. We got our upside swing with AJ Dillon, Alexander Madison, and Darrington Evans. And then you have your PPR monster with a James White. And then you also have Latavius Murray and Gus Edwards, who are guys that can, can just give you stable RB three weeks. You know, they'll just mix in. And then they also have convention value, where if their starter goes down, they become a stud. Now, when we're looking at the roster, just the day one roster, does it feel great on day one? Not really, but here's here's the the whole idea. The idea is that by weeks three, four, five, as we get deeper into the season, the the things things start to tilt in your favor. You know, you you find your James Robinson, your McKissick, your Hines, and then you become a powerhouse because you're going to start grinding out RB twos off the off the waiver wire. You're going to be able to spot start people, and then you're able to find guys that actually you know they they carved out roles and you can start them now, like Miles Gaskin last year. And here's another thing to remember: it doesn't feel good starting RB threes in your RB spots. But you're also starting wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos in your flex spots. While your opponents, they're going to be starting RB ones and RB twos in their RB spots. But their flex spots are going to be RB slash wide receiver threes and fours. You know, it just, it's it's going to make up where your RBs are bad, but their flexes are bad. It, it all evens out. You're just allocating. You know, if you just had a salary cap to get your lineup together like a DraftKings, you're just simply foregoing your running backs for a stronger flex because it's more sustainable long term. And they they're doing the opposite. They're going with running backs because they really like running backs. They want to have an RB1 while well, foregoing the their depth and their flex. And then as the season goes on, the odds start to tilt in your favor. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, this isn't for everyone. If you're if you're watching this video and you're a newer drafter and like it's your first ever fantasy football draft, you shouldn't do zero RB. You like you need to be somebody who's who's you know experienced, someone that can grind the waivers, that's willing to grind waivers. Like it, it's not something that's for a new player, but if you're experienced, it's something that you wanna have. Now, I'm not going into every draft trying to go zero RB. I I don't even, most of my drafts aren't zero RB, but I wanna be as flexible as possible. If wide receivers and tight ends fall to me, and there's no value at running back that I like, then I wanna be able to draft on the fly and adjust. If I, I wanna be able to, to hop in a draft room, and if a running back that doesn't, I don't like, doesn't get to me until the seventh or eighth round, I wanna be able to pivot, you know, I wanna be able to pivot, stay water like Bruce Lee says, I wanna be able to dominate any draft room from any position, any build. I wanna have as many tools in my toolbox when it comes to drafting. So I'm not shoehorned into one spot where it's like, oh man, I hate that value, that didn't feel good. Now I'm gonna make videos on this eventually on my, my other draft strategies, but I'm mainly going hero RB. So I take one RB in the first two rounds and then I don't really take another one until round nine. Or I go RBRB, RB. Right, go running back first round, running back second round, and I don't take another one until round ten, or like maybe not even ever. I could just get two running backs, let that let that chill, and then try and make up ground everywhere else. Like I said, zero RB is probably my third favorite of those of those options, but it's not something like if, if I go into a draft and my team ends up being a true R- zero RB team, I don't care. Like I I, I just want to have the best possible team to win a league. That's what it comes down to. And when you neglect zero RB and you say, oh, it doesn't work, it's bad, whatever, you are you are cutting yourself off from another form of cashing a championship. Now, I guess my closing statements for this whole video is that yes, you can win with this strategy and it is absolutely lethal. I lost a championship. Remember, this is 2018 when McCaffrey broke out. I went Melvin Gordon McCaffrey at the one-two turn, smashed it. McCaffrey was a like a 26% win rate guy in his second year and I lost to my buddy Zero RB squad. I had Melvin Gordon and CMC and was a powerhouse. I literally only lost one game that season. He took me down with Damian Williams and Elijah McGuire as his running backs. You, like, it, it was clear as day, those two running backs that week were going to get the starting role and he put them in his lineup. It was that simple. And then he had Travis Kelsey, Tyree and Devontae Adams had more than enough firepower to put me away that week. So I can't stand that argument that Zero RB doesn't have the firepower to win in a championship i have seen a zero rb team take down a christian mccaffrey team it is not impossible also i know a lot of people point to oh well they've never won one of those big ffpc championships zero rb has never won one of those big tournaments here's the thing when everybody out there is scared to go zero rb 99 percent of the field is not going to be zero rb 99 percent of the field is going to be balanced robust rb whatever you want to say so it makes sense that zero RB isn't cashing these big championships. If only 1% or less of the field is using this strategy, their, their odds are, are stacked against them to, to have one of those top tier finishes. But they, there's plenty of good finishes, not first place finishes, but Sean Siegel finished top 30 in the FFPC main event, $1900 league last year, going zero RB. He had like Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, had Naeem Hines and McKissick at his running back spots. And he churned it out. The strategy is plenty viable i just can't stand all of the the bad rep that it gets on twitter on on everywhere you know like this is a viable strategy it is a very strong strategy i think you could i think it's even more viable in your home leagues i think that you can dominate in your home leagues with a zero rb strategy because everyone's going to want running backs everyone gets running backs they get hurt and now you have all of this advantage literally everywhere else and if you get to a point in the season where it's like damn like i really need running back firepower I wouldn't advise it because you're you're kind of foregoing the whole idea. But you could then you could maybe get your wide receiver one and then one of the the two wide receivers you have on your bench. You could bundle them together and go get an RB one if you want. So there's a lot of different ways that you can you can go about it. Um, But I just think that I think that we give zero RB too much of a bad rep. I'm a big fan, and that's gonna be the video for today, man. So let me know down below in the comments if you're open to using zero RB. If you have any questions, I I tried to cover every single angle of why people don't like zero RB so let me know in the comments down below what you think about that and we're gonna have a stack schedule this week we're gonna have this video I think this is coming out I don't know I don't even know what day it is Wednesday or something but I'm gonna cover my my actual draft strategies or not my actual draft strategies but the ones I use more often from you know like the beginning of the draft the middle of the draft end of the draft probably either next week or the week after that but we're gonna start ramping things up here try and go six seven videos a week from now until week one because i think that we got to just push things heavy to the metal so make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like and as always i will see you guys in the next one